Hello and welcome to Opera Apero. This is Sophia, uh, and I'm very excited because on today I'm always excited. I say that every single intro, and I was I'm like an American stereotype of the enthusiastic, uh, excited American. But uh, truly, have the pleasure of having friend and fellow podcaster Chris on today. Um, and you made my job really easy because when I asked you what kind of opera you wanted to watch, you said something with a lot of twists and turns. And uh, as anyone who's a listener of this show knows, that's most operas. So I kind of just went and picked one. <laughs> nice. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. It is, I have to say it is very strange to record in person. I So as uh, Sophia mentioned, I also do a podcast and uh, I do it with a friend and we do it remotely. So doing it in person, I am currently looking at you. It's very strange, but I like it. <laughs> it feels very different. Yeah, um, and this is COVID safe. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, how do we know each other? Uh, we actually know each other from Tinder. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you mentioned on your profile that you're doing a podcast. And I mean, I love podcasts. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is probably my favorite medium. And uh, yeah, so I thought I need to talk to you. <laughs> and yeah, I think we have been talking about podcasts ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Um, have you been to an opera or seen an opera before? So um, you mentioned in one of your previous episodes, the episode about how to watch opera, you mentioned Arte. Mm-hmm. And as a teenager, I don't know how old I was, but I had, I don't know why I came up with it, like what brought me to this idea, but I just saw that Arte also, you know, shows operas and I was like, sure, why not? Like they're like, you know, I'm a cultured person. Like opera is obviously like super cultured. So I'm going to give it a shot. And then I, um, I, I tried to watch one of them and within like 30 seconds, I was like, no, it's not for me. And then I tried it two more times and I just couldn't do it. Wait, I have, so when you watched it for 30 seconds, yeah. was that the overture or like, because you have to get through the overture, which is just like them playing music for like three to seven minutes yeah. uh, before you get to the actual action with people on stage. So did you make it to the people on stage stage? Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't watch it like from the beginning. I just happened to see that there was a opera on uh, opera on and so i thought like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna watch some opera sure and then it was just like in the middle of things and i just it everything was weird <laughs> uh to me at the time but i haven't i haven't tried it since so maybe i would like it so uh to answer your question no i haven't watched an opera okay when we get to the end i'll ask you if it was like exciting enough <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the opera that we're going to talk about today is uh, Lucia de Lammermoor, um, which was written by Gaetano Donizetti, who was an Italian composer who was most well known for the bel canto style of opera. And um, bel canto kind of throws me throws me because in Italian, bel canto just means like beautiful singing, um, which you would just want. I feel like as a, if I were a composer, I would want all of my shit to be beautiful singing, like. I'm like, shouldn't all of it be bel canto? No. Um, a more musical person would be able to say why. Um, so Donizetti is a bel canto composer. Um, and so this one 
it takes place in the early 1700s in Scotland. So you're a history person, so I feel like you can maybe hopefully provide some context because they, like, mention things that I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's like Mary's, Scotland, France, something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of, which, you know, is not it, – it plays into the plot, um, mm-hmm. but I have no understanding of it. So if you want to provide context around that, you can. <laughs> if I can. That it would be appreciated. That is That is kind of a uh, – sorry to disappoint, but that is kind of a misconception about people who are – uh into history that they know everything about <laughs> like every aspect of human history um so usually you specialize of course and so you're not i am not really a generalist but i know a little bit about scotland i know a little bit about the 17th century so who knows that should probably be enough cool <laughs> so takes place in early 1700s in scotland and it's actually based off of a book called the bride of lammermoor Um, which itself is also based off of a true story. So keep that in mind. Um, This one first premiered in 1835 at the Teatro San Carlo in Naples, Italy. Um, And so it's called Lucia de Lammermoor. And there's actually in Scotland, like something called Lammermoor Hills. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, the naming isn't entirely like random. It's kind of based in reality. Uh, And yeah, so with that, Wait, is this an opera that you've heard of before? So, I feel like I've heard the title, but I've that might just be my brain trying to trick me. I it is so- a fairly famous opera. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so, at one point, bel canto operas kind of went out of style. Mm. Um, and But this is one of the ones that has, like, maintained, like, a consistent popularity. Uh, yeah, and it has an iconic scene um that we'll talk more about when we get to it okay as always i hype things up a little bit too much but we'll get into it okay so act one we start um we are outside ravenswood castle in scotland again um and a mysterious stranger has been reported lurking around now enrico who's like the man of the castle uh has sent out a group of like huntsmen to go look and kind of find this person. And then he's like waiting in the castle. Um, and um, they have a suspicion that this stranger that's lurking about is Edgardo, the previous like man of Ravenswood castle who okay. um, Enrico like usurped the castle mm. and the like estate from him. Mm, just very quickly to interject so far, Enrico, Edgardo and Lucia, typically Scottish names. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. Donizetti wrote a bunch of, he's Italian. He wrote Mm. a bunch of operas that take place in the UK, um, which throws me because they're all like almost in Italian um, and have just like taken uh, English names and made them Italianized (laughs) in a way. So like Edgar, Eric, I think. And then Mm -hmm. you're like, Enrico. Edgardo. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's no Dick Johnson from Fanchula del West, right? <laughs> Which is also like an <laughs> Italian composer. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So also, I'm really frustrated. I'm going to try to like keep it together, but mm. I get really confused with this opera because mm-hmm. Enrico and Edgardo are both very similar in my brain. And so mm. sometimes I mix them up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> advice for anyone who does creative things. Don't have two of your protagonists or like two of your main characters start with the same uh, character. That's, that's not, that's uh, the same letter. That's not a good idea. 
Yes. Um, but we'll forgive it, be- forgive it because it's a masterpiece. <laughs> okay, we'll let it slide. Yeah. Um, so Enrico's the man of the castle, and uh, Edgardo is the stranger lurking about, suspected stranger who's looked, lurking about. Um, and while we're waiting for the huntsman to go and kind of find him and capture him, Enrico starts to, like, reveal... There's a lot of plot exposition that basically happens right now. So he reveals he's a very concerned and troubled man, and here's why. Um, he feels that he has, like, a politically unstable position as head of Ravenswood Castle, um, and he also has a fear and hatred of Edgardo because Edgardo kind of poses a... Um, like a challenge to him in this like stability as the head of the the estate uh but also he just hates edgardo because he's like you know their 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 families are rivals mm. and so as I mean, long he as up the, pa- the place of course <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and in addition to this uh enrico's sister lucia uh, doesn't want to marry the man that edgardo has selected for her so edgardo has gone to all this trouble to find a nice wealthy man who could potentially, who through his wealth and his connections would help stabilize the family. Um, and his sister just doesn't want to marry him. So inconsiderate. His. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder why. Well, you know, uh, at this point, the chaplain, uh, Raimondo, is there and he says, he tells Enrico, well, um, you know, like, maybe Lucia's not ready to love because uh, she's still grieving the loss of her mother, which happened recently. <laughs> uh, and um, then Normano, who's like a buddy uh, mm-hmm. or guard friend of um, Enrico, goes, nah, that's not it, because I've actually seen her like having rendezvous with this like stranger. Um, what a snitch. Yeah. Well, he's like buds with Enrico. So he is like, no, I've seen her like meeting up with this guy. um, And I know that uh, the guy, she was like out for a walk one day and a wild bull uh, attacked her and he like saved her from the wild bull. And so ever since then, they've been meeting up and like Mm. having dalliances. Uh, (laughs) So it's a lot of important information. And so they're like, he's a strange, like haven't been able to see him clearly, but I'm pretty sure it's Edgardo. A lot of information just came out. So at that point, all the huntsmen kind of come back and are like report back to Enrico that the stranger who was seen lurking around the castle guards was in fact Edgardo, but they were not able to capture him, Mm. that he just escaped. Um, And at this point, Enrico throws like a little hissy fit. He's just like, he's mad that Edgardo wasn't captured. He's mad Lucia doesn't want to marry Arturo, who's the the wealthy man that he has like lined Mm. up their marriage. Uh, and now he's also mad because he thinks Lucia is like hooking up with our Edgardo. This guy has, has some real problems. Mm -hmm. Like, I really feel for him. I have to say. (laughs) Um, and so that's the first scene. So next scene, um, we're elsewhere on the castle grounds and we're actually with Lucia and her handmaiden, Alyssa. Mm -hmm. Um, and they are sitting by an old fountain that's in ruins. And they're actually waiting. Lucia's waiting to for her rendezvous with Edgardo. Mm. And um, while they're waiting, Lucia sings this song uh, where she tells Alyssa about how she's seen this, like, ghostly vision. And it 
she tells her the story, uh, the ghostly vision that she saw was this woman um, who was murdered and stabbed by her jealous lover in this fountain and so mm-hmm. her body lies at the bottom of the fountain um and she saw the ghost of this woman appear I wonder, in her dreams i wonder if that's foreshadowing but we might get to that later <laughs> uh, and it's oh. like it's like chekhov's ghost hmm? uh do you do you know the chekhov's gun no. thing okay so anton chekhov was a uh russian playwright i think Uh, in the 19th century and uh, yeah there is this phrase that is coined because of him Chekhov's gun if in a play you see a gun in in the first act it has to go off in the third one so everything is there for a reason and if you don't deliver on it then you've done a bad job as a playwright Hmm. yeah okay Chekhov's ghost yeah I like it (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so Alyssa hears this and it's just like one very concerned about the mental state of her friend slash, you know, person she serves. Mm. And two is like, listen, if you're seeing ghosts of dead women, that's a bad sign like that. You should break off this, uh, uh, relationship with Edgardo because like no good can come of it. And Lucia is like, no, like he's the love of my life, the light of my life, like, only thing that brings me happiness. Um, and she just refuses. And Alyssa's like, oh, okay. Um, and then Edgardo, Edgardo shows up. And uh, Alyssa kind of kindly exits off stage <laughs> and lets them be. Uh, and so they're, they're reunited. Um, and he has come to tell Lucia that he actually has to leave for France the next day on urgent uh, political state business. Um, and something about the Stewart case. No idea. Um, if I have my timeline correct, that might be Maria Stewart, who was in some way, was it, maybe she was the king of uh, the UK at the time. So because um, at some point, you know, the crowns of England and Scotland were united, uh, so they were in a... The same person mm-hmm. was the king of or queen of um, the monarch of uh, England and Scotland, I think, just before this takes place. Mm-hmm. So, okay. and I think Maria Stuart was queen of Scotland, I think, and, yeah, might have been... Yeah, there might have been some conflict there. But I don't really know that much about that. Yeah. More than I did. So <laughs> so he has to go off to France. Um, but he doesn't really want to leave her hanging. So he says, um, he's like, I know I have to, it's very sudden, I have to go, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but what I would like is actually to just, to kind of do you an honor in that I want to go and make um, amends with your brother and like, basically smooth things over between our families and then ask him for your hand in marriage. Wow. I know. Honorable dude, right? Yeah. Uh, and Lucia's just like, that'll never work. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, she was like, Enrico is a hot mess. Like he mm. has this temper. Like it's just, it's like, I am very honored that you would want to do something like that, but 
it's it's not going to work. And she basically convinces him to not do this. Uh, and he's also frustrated, too, because he's like, well, don't you know that I've also taken, like, an oath of vengeance against your whole family? So, like, you know, it's kind of one of these things where it's like, at some point, you got to, I don't know, figure it out. <laughs> uh, um, but so they kind of both calm down, calm each other down. And uh, what they do decide is they exchange rings as an oath of marriage. So they kind of consider themselves married because despite the fact that they haven't like done, made it official or anything, but Mm. they are like committing to each other. Um, And then they promise to do it for real when Edgardo returns from France. And he also, um, she makes him promise to like for, uh, to send her letters Mm -hmm. uh, while he's away. And he agrees. And she's just like, and then they have a nice time. Uh, And, yeah, and that's Act One. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that must be pretty urgent business to to you know just leave the country like that. But you know, staying in touch—that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what a they got semi-married. Yeah. I mean, you know, we could talk about why how it's unfair that you know it doesn't count because there's no like clergyman there. But no, we don't need to talk about that. Oh, that's a larger problem with yes, marriage. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so now we're in act two mm-hmm. and it's been several months uh, and we're in Enrico's office in the castle and uh, Enrico and Normano, again, that's his bud, um, are conspiring about how to ruin the love between Lucia and Edgardo because at this point, like they already know that like they love each other mm. uh, and they're like, we just need to ruin it so that we can get Lucia to marry Arturo, the wealthy man. Uh, and here's the thing is that they've actually already been intercepting all of the mail coming in from Edgardo. So they've intercepted all the mail. So Lucia is under the assumption that Edgardo never actually wrote her anything. And now they're planning to really take it to the next level uh, and forge a letter from Edgardo to another woman and to show it to proof, show it as proof to Lucia that uh, he's basically forgotten her and uh, given her up. Okay. I, c- I can see some flaws in that plan, but sure. Go ahead. I think it's a perfect plan. <laughs> um, and oh, yeah, it's also her wedding day to Arturo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so a lot of things, there are a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, without receiving any letters from Edgardo over those like couple of months, basically like her like confidence in that relationship and her, uh, you know, will, willpower to resist against the marriage has been worn down and worn down. Like she's still very hesitant to do, go through with the marriage to Arturo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, but she's not as strong willed as she once was. Uh, so Edgardo went ahead and put together the wedding day. Uh, and so, um, Basically, Normano goes off to, like, take care of wedding day festivities, mm. um, welcome Arturo into the castle. Um, Is he the wedding planner? There's a lot There's a lot that goes into a wedding, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so uh, Normano goes off, um, and uh, Lucia comes into the office to talk to her brother again, um, and kind of, like you know, put up another fight about, like, not wanting to get married. And he comments on her kind of, like, uh, weak appearance. Like, she's, like, pale, probably doesn't, like, look well, like, rested mm. um, and tired. Uh, you know, she's having visions of ghostly women uh, who are killed by jealous lovers. So she's 
there's been ha- and she's like you know love lauren hasn't received any letters um mm. so she doesn't look great yeah so manipulative what a jerk move yeah 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 um so so she he comments on her appearance and she basically says like we you know why I look like this. Like, you know why and, like, your part in all of this as well. And, like, mm-hmm. this would be better if I wasn't – like, I still don't want to marry him. Uh, and um, this is when he whips out the forged letter from Edgardo and is just like, well, look, listen, lady. And, like, your, like, pretty little man boy just, like, isn't all – and and, you know – we already said, like, her willpower is, like, very – it's teetering. It's not just mm-hmm. barely there. And this is just, like, that little, like, extra weight that kind of sets it over the edge, and she's just, like, crushed. Mm. Um, so, you know, in addition to not receiving any letters, she sees that he did send a letter to someone else, even if it was fake. Um, but she doesn't know it's fake. So, um, yeah, after she sees the letter, she, like, reluctantly agrees to go through with the wedding. Um, and Enrico is just, like – Great. Uh, and he walks off to go welcome Arturo and mm-hmm. welcome guests and stuff. And um, Lucia's alone in the room and Raimondo comes in uh, and says, like, he tries to kind of comfort her and, like, rationalize with her and says, like, you know, this will be good for your family. Like, overall, this will be good for your family. And um, also kind of, you know, if your mother was still around, like, she would have wanted you to also support the family. And, like, this is good for that. Um yeah, so he's trying to, like, put put a positive spin on this decision. Um, I mean, a decision that she didn't really make that was made for her, mostly. Yeah, it was a, a bit of a... Um, the, the decision environment was manipulated. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's, like, agreed, and so now we're in the main hall where the wedding is actually going to take place, and when guests have arrived, and so... Uh, the way that it's it's done is that it's not kind of like a standard wedding that we might imagine with like Hollywood nowadays where like they walk down the aisle and stuff. It's like people are kind of seated and there's like a table where they have a marriage contract laid out and they sign the marriage contract. Um, and so people are, have arrived to, to witness the signing of the contract. Um, Arturo comes in and he's like singing about how he's going to help. Uh, improve the position of this family uh, but he also sings about how he's heard rumors of uh, his bride-to-be Lucia actually being in love with someone else mm. um, and Enrico goes no 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 that's those are all made up it's you know the reason why she is the way that she is is because she's still sad about our mom mm. <laughs> uh, dying <laughs> so um, and Arturo's like yeah makes sense uh, let's get married um yeah sure just disregard her grief it's fine yeah you're like oh as long as you're not in love with someone else like grief i can deal with like that's fine um yeah and so he goes ahead and signs the contract uh lucia enters and uh she like again like sings a little bit about like how she doesn't really want to be doing this and and enrico's like all right come on go sign the contract let's go uh and so she she goes and she signs the contract um and then right after she signed it, suddenly there's a commotion. <laughs> and Edgardo breaks into the room. <gasps> That's a, what a twist, right? <laughs> wow. Um, kind, of, kind of in a like, 
early 1700s style, like, uh, if you have any objections, speak now <laughs> style. He breaks into the room, tries to break up the wedding. Um, and and he's like, well, like, Lucia and I are already married. Um, mm. And Raimondo is like, here's the contract that she just signed marrying mm-hmm. another person. And Edgardo loses his shit. Um, he gets so mad, he flies into a rage, and he curses Lucia for her betrayal of him and of their oath together. Um, And uh, needless to say, Lucia's a mess. She's just multiple levels of crushed. Like, the emotional, like, roller coaster this woman is on, if we can just reimagine it again, like, Mm. she just saw the forged letter. Uh, She doesn't know it's forged, but she just saw the letter where he doesn't love her. Has he, she hasn't heard anything from him. And, um, just married this other man. And now he shows up and fights for her and then curses her. Um, and yeah, so she's wrecked. Uh, and, uh, Enrico, um, is also like, he feels bad for Lucia a little bit, but now he's also pissed that Edgardo is back. (laughs) Um, because their nemesis is, um, and so this is actually the the scene where there's a very famous um, sextet. So mm-hmm. uh, all of these characters, like, singing about all of their conflicted, conflicting, like, all of their feelings are in conflict with each other. And so it's, like, a really cool musical piece where, like, there's so many different emotions being expressed in, like, one piece. It's mm-hmm. really fascinating. Um, and, yeah, and so then basically at the end of it, um, Edgardo takes the ring off and, like, throws it on the floor at her uh, and storms off. And that's the end of Act 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there's more. Yeah. Nice. Okay, I was... I mean, the ghost hasn't... <laughs> <laughs> yes. There was a severe lack of stabbing. So... <laughs> no stabby stabby. <laughs> cool. But so, yes, yes, just uh, to reiterate that that poor Lucia, I really feel for her. That is quite the emotional roller coaster. I mean, uh, and I mean, I guess good on her brother that he feels a little bad for her. I guess, but yeah, he is not a as as an older brother. I can say <laughs> very disappointed. <laughs> So uh, now we're we're in Act 3. Uh, we're in a different castle. We're actually in Edgardo's castle, Wolfcrag. Uh, remember, we're in Scotland. <laughs> um, and so Enrico pops by Edgardo's castle to come and gloat about the fact that Lucia is not with Edgardo and that Lucia is actually married to another man. And it's their wedding night. So he's like, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. So petty. Um, and then he's like, and I'm going to challenge you to a duel tomorrow morning. He's like, you know, just really drive the last sword, the last inch of sword into Edgardo's heart. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, because Edgardo is like deeply in love and frustrated and angry, he accepts the offer to duel. And so this is set to be the next morning. Um, and then uh, back at Ravenswood Castle, people are partying. They're celebrating the recent nuptials, uh, and then Raimondo, the chaplain, uh, comes into the party, and he announces that he 
he heard a scream from the bridal chambers and he went in to go check and what he saw was Arturo dead on the bed and uh, Lucia holding a knife standing above him and Mm. with blood everywhere and he enters the room and sees this and she kind of looks at him with this like glazed over happy like face that doesn't really know where it's at and goes like oh like where is my husband and asks him that Mm. um and so this is the story that he's telling the people Mm -hmm. of the party in the castle that what he just saw and so as people are starting to react actually lucia enters um in her like wedding gown covered in blood um and she has completely lost her mind Mm -hmm. completely insane and as she enters she starts singing this song about like how excited she is to marry edgardo and how um joyous and beautiful and wonderful and like how happy she is to be married to him um and this is completely bonkers. Um, so this is actually, this is one of the, like, the key scenes uh, of this opera and of opera in general as this, like, there's this concept in opera of the mad scene mm-hmm. where you, the, these characters that have been pushed to the edge completely uh, just break down and they have these these long arias where they just reveal how insane they are. Um it's kind of, kind of that, that seems to be yeah one of these types of scenes like the one uh, that seems to be one of your favorites the you got god scene. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so actually, as I was even prepping for this, and uh, I have a bunch of like books about opera, um, and I didn't even like put it together re- until today when I was looking when I was like staring at it directly. But the book is called A Mad Love, uh, mm. and it just like I think it really plays into how import how like how common and like what a of like an opera trope in a way it is to have a mad scene. Um, but so if you ever like think about mad, if you're ever looking into mad scenes, like this is one of the key ones. Cool. Do um, you, do you happen to know what's the gender ratio of mad people in opera? Is it more because it's more women? I yes. Think. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me because that is such a trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And plus like, yeah, emotions. Yeah, okay. Anyways, mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, so she's singing about being married to Edgardo. Um, and Enrico kind of returns from his little, like, gloating journey uh, slash duel uh, challenge. Uh, and he returns to the castle in time to catch the last bit of the act. Um, and and he says, he, he sees her say, like, uh, she kind of says, she mentioned something about how, like, her and Edgardo will only be um, united, like reunited only in death. And he's like, because he's Enrico and he has a temper. He's like one angry at like what has occurred. And he's like concerned for his sister. So he goes to try to like comfort her and like rationalize with her. Um, But then like as he's doing that, you know, he's talking to her and like he can realize that she's like completely off the deep end. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, so you're saying the rational man has to... uh influence the very emotional woman well I, you know enrico's not really rational yeah like he's like trying <laughs> to like bring her back to reality yeah. uh and he realizes that he can't um and so she kind of just like collapses and is like escorted off the stage like off to her bedroom um uh yeah and so then the next morning 
So that's the end of that scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the next morning, Edgardo is waiting for the duel in a graveyard uh, where he sees, like, his, like, the his It's, like, a graveyard with some of his ancestors. Um, And he, like, is meandering about um, and, like, thinking about, he's like, you know what, I'm just going to let Enrico win the duel. Uh, Like, I'm just going to throw it because I can't be with Lucia anymore. So, Mm. like, life doesn't really have anything to offer me. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't keep in mind Edgardo like didn't actually see the whole mad scene. He no. hasn't he doesn't know about that. Uh and so what he do, so he's waiting in the graveyard waiting for Enrico to show up and do the duel. Um and he sees Raimondo and some members of Lucia's family come in and they like mention to him about how she's very frail and um how she's on her deathbed and uh they're like she's like asked to see she wants to see him uh and and then shortly after they hear a bell ring in the back back background uh, uh which indicates that she's actually already she just died mm-hmm. um and so knowing that Lucia isn't actually alive anymore <laughs> he's completely despondent and he's like the only thing that makes him like gives him hope or joy is this idea that he'll like be reunited with her in death Mm. um and so uh instead of wait for enrico to do it he then now stabs himself and dies and that's the end of the opera whoa (laughs) that was a twist wow i did not expect that that's crazy (laughs) really (laughs) no okay great (laughs) okay was there enough twists and turns i mean that is wow that is yeah, 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 for sure. Definitely delivered. Yeah, wow. Wow. I, yeah, that was that was quite the twist at the end, especially because if you think Wait, about... Wait, what were you expecting to happen? Um, I mean, first of all, you know, he just trusts the, the word of the people that Lucia is actually dead. Oh, yeah. That could be something different. Mm. Also, in, in a more... Uh, if you commit suicide in a... Since... You know, this is kind of, this is in Scotland, and the guy who wrote it, sorry, the composer, uh, was uh, was Italian. I will just assume that obviously, you know, there is some Christianity involved, and in Christianity, famously, if you commit suicide, you do you go to hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess you wouldn't be reunited with your loved one. I don't know, mm. but as a sign of desperation, obviously, that's that's quite the statement. <laughs> um, yeah, but I didn't expect him to stab himself. I just thought, yeah, sure, commit suicide by by a duel or something. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I it speaks to his love for Lucia, I guess, that he is so desperate that he can't wait to die. Following the uh, that life without her is meaningless for him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to have like a male character who only cares about his love. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that's, like, counterpointed to the male character who only cares about the security mm-hmm. of his, like, family. Uh, because, like, theoretically, like, Edgardo has a lot of other stuff <laughs> going on in his life. Yeah. He could potentially, like, mess up Enrico's whole thing. Mm-hmm. He also swore the oath to vengeance. So he has all these other things. But it's, like, the love is, like, what... Yeah, that that's that is you know on top of everything because yeah he could just plot revenge and just you know go on a rage and kill everyone, 
Um, but yeah, it just, I guess, you know, goes to show how, how, how much he's grieving. He is like overcome by his emotions. And yeah, you're right that you don't really see that that much, uh, you know, with, with men in media in general. <laughs> so, uh, do you know how that was perceived by audiences? Because on, on the one side, that's a, um, that's a huge, I mean, people were, I could see people loving that because it, you know, it, it speaks to the power of love, but at the same time you could, you know, you could say that men shouldn't do oh, that. Yeah. Sort of I mean, thing. but I think it's opera. They can be just like, it's yeah. the power of love. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to see how, how many uh, like narratives uh, involve love. You know, operas, of course, but also all different kinds of media. There usually, there, there often is some sort of love involved, and that just speaks to the human condition or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, not that many. There's a lot of men in this in this one <laughs> as well. I have to say, I really like the. Uh, uh, I mean, but I could, you know, Lucia. Of of course, and uh, her handmaiden as well, who I thought was a very supportive <laughs> friend, but uh, unfortunately her influence seems to have been not that big. Nah. But yeah. actually, there's uh, versions of this opera. So there's a like a French. There's different. There's several different versions. So with opera, a lot of times people will just take it and kind of remove certain uh, parts mm -hmm. that they don't think fit in as well. So. But there's a whole French version of this opera, because this opera is Italian, yeah. is in Italian. Um, but there's a whole French version of this opera where they just write out the character of Alyssa. <laughs> oh. um, and it kind of like, if you think about the only scene where Alyssa's present, it, mm. it's like the scene where Lucia is telling her about seeing this ghost mm. and them having a conversation about whether or not she should be with Edgardo. And so if you remove Alyssa and then you're like, okay, so it's just a woman singing out into the blue about yeah. a ghost she's seen. And like, that's even more like intense of a, of a, of a scene yeah. than I think the idea of just like telling a friend about, Oh man, I had this crazy dream the other day. <laughs> 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 wow yeah it becomes more of a like oh i'm racked by these like intense dreams i'm having and mm. it's like more reflective so um yeah there uh, the the version you see matters yeah for sure yeah if you frame it like that yeah this crazy dream that that is just yeah that's really good yeah i mean don't we all have those conversations where you're like wow i can't believe this just happened like yeah. it's not I have to tell someone. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like, you know, the framing is very different. Like, I had just had this crazy dream versus I'm haunted by a ghostly figure. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what we do on Opera Apero is yeah. we, we interpret things with a modern lens. <laughs> exactly. That's, you know, I especially, I, sorry, I forget who it was, but someone likened the plot of one of the operas to The Bachelor. Yeah. That was one that I really enjoyed as well because, of, like, yeah. That's a good perspective to have, you know? It's, again, like drama is just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. That's a... Yeah. Wow. I mean, the the brother, what a... So... What a character. I... That's one of the things I was thinking about with this one is that um, 
whenever I think people talk about this opera, they talk about how Lucia is mourning the loss of her mother, mm. but she, like she's Enrico is her brother, so Enrico is also probably grieving, but no one talks about his grief. Yeah, uh, and so I think it's really interesting how like when people talk about this, we kind of say, well, Lucia. Like it's it's a it's a very constant buildup of like conditions on her mental state mm-hmm. that cause her to like kind of just like lose it, um, and one of those is like her grief and her mourning. But I I would suggest that if we talk, I think I think Enrico does some pretty despicable things, and mm-hmm. he has all of his own problems, like his like anger management. Um, but I do think that like you can also think about Enrico's position of you know also grieving his own mother, but having to be uh, this man who has all this responsibility yeah. uh, to run the estate um, and to make sure that the family is stable. And so, you know, in in the spirit of, like, people are just trying to do their best. <laughs> and I think Enrico does all of these things from, like, a place of, like, I need to make sure my family is secure mm. and our position is stable. Um, and, like, that's why he goes to all the trouble to line up this, like, person who will support the family like money and politically um and yeah i just can't imagine that like the grief might not also like play into that in some way for him too yeah for sure i mean uh i assume that he is now thrust into this position as you said where you know he has to do all these things but probably in the past, he, he was able to go to his mother for counsel because she was just, you know, had a lot of experience with running the whole thing as well. Um, and now suddenly he is thrust in the midst of things without any, you know, advisor who he trusts, I assume. Mm-hmm. Sure, he has his guard buddy and all of Normano. that. Normano. Yeah. <laughs> but, See, we make them Italian. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that, you know, having having empathy for someone who is perceived to be kind of the villain of the story. You You're can like, be- someone does have to take care of all the financial things. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. would you say that maybe, is he maybe the protagonist of this story? Because he is kind of the person who drives the action forward the most. No, I feel like it's, I feel like he does the most action, but... Mm. Because, like, the, the story is all about her and, yeah. like, her mental collapse. But it's all completely, like, framed as, like, a result of his actions. Mm. Okay. Like, I think he's still villainous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we do not condone <laughs> what not. he did. Also, it's a federal, uh, it's a felony to infringe upon mail delivery. <laughs> At least in the States it is. I don't yeah. know about Germany. Um, maybe, maybe not in 17th century Scotland, especially oh, not yeah. if you're the guy in charge, you know? True. You're like, I, I own the mail system. Yeah, it's mine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The paperwork has to get done. And so I can understand why, like, Enrico, in this way, kind of, like, subverts his own emotions in, in the moment to be able to, like, deal with all of the, like, financial need-to-dos. Mm. Um Still a villain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but still I, a villain. I just want to like. I think it's like context. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, like, and people grieve differently. I am. I have definitely. I, I know that you know some people are very. 
I don't know, at least in the moment, they're almost grateful there is something that they need to do that can occupy their mind for the time being, mm -hmm. you know, to get everything, you know, to take care of everything. Um, and, you know, others just, you know, want to, or like they, they yeah, experience the uh, overwhelming emotions straight away. And, you know, there's no there's there's no like solution for everyone it is mm -hmm. a very personal way a very personal thing for everyone so yeah yeah and uh then the insanity i think is the next thing to talk about yeah <laughs> i mean yeah that, that's something that i always wonder how how much that is coded in like gender roles because um Yeah, I mean, of course, we have other famous examples that are male, like kind of Hamlet comes to mind, but uh, uh, kind of, yeah, right? Is it high? No, Macbeth, sorry. Oh, yeah, Macbeth. <laughs> Macbeth, oops. <laughs> yeah, Macbeth. Ooh, I love Macbeth. <laughs> There's actually an opera, a Macbeth opera, but Ooh. I've been hesitant to do that one because yeah. I'm like, well, it's Shakespeare, yeah. so like I would just be doing a Shakespeare like episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, so, but I feel like that's mostly females who, you know, get portrayed as insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's, like, this theme of, like, a lot of this, like, women in, like, these old eras didn't have as much uh, self-determination mm. and choices. Uh, you know, like, Lucia is in a way like a ward of her brother. Uh, mm. Like he does have the responsibility for her as she is part of the family. And so, yeah, it was like a woman's job to like get married and like yeah. make the right connection. That's, you know, what Bridgerton is all about is like <laughs> them trying to get the best like dalliances and like marriage contracts set up. Um, yeah. Just very quickly. I like the, Uh, you know how you portrayed the uh, the marriage here, like um, because that way it really came across that this is basically a financial transaction. Huh? Yeah, I hadn't you thought know? of that. I was wondering why they set it up that way, and I yeah. was like, maybe marriage was just done differently in 1700 Scotland. Yeah. I mean, the idea of a love marriage is very recent. Yeah, that that is not even. I mean, speaking from a European quote-unquote western perspective that is a that is something that's not even 200 years old so you know there is a lot of marriage arrangements and uh you know people want wanting to marry someone for their you know because of romanticism or feelings is something that didn't even you know Uh, that was more of a hurdle for uh, for arranged ma marriages, but uh, you know something, not something that was widely accepted until fairly recently. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then Arturo is like, "I hear she's in love with someone else." And yeah, it's like, yeah, that would be a hurdle, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, you could still marry her, I guess, but yeah. uh, again, there. Then Arturo gets the short end of the stick. Exactly. He's yeah. got the short end of the stick. And <laughs> he, want, he wants to have it all, you know? So, or her. Poor Arturo. <laughs> yeah. He's truly like the NPC that like <laughs> <Yeah>. didn't like <laughs> deserve anything that yeah. came to him. <laughs> yeah, he even, you know, he was inquiring about her state of mind. Surely 
also for you know selfish reasons but also maybe you know because he cares about her a little bit and yeah he yeah he's definitely uh yeah is it selfish to make sure that you're marrying someone who's not insane (laughs) if you don't know much about them (laughs) i think it's a fair question (laughs) no i i meant i meant it more along the lines of making sure that she doesn't love someone else Mm. you know that is that's definitely you know important to him so Mm -hmm. yeah i also think about like i don't know the why she's so like hung up on edgardo Mm. which like it, it can just be love but i think when we're if in that first scene when Raimondo is like, well, she's not ready to love anyone because she's still grieving. Mm. And then Normano is like, no, like, she's with this person. And so, like, I don't know if it's something about, like, he saved her from the bull. And she's already, like, grieving and sad. And it's just, like, the perfect storm that, like, she mm. can kind of, like, clutch onto this, like, one thing yeah. that seems really nice while, like, everything around her feels terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that obviously makes her all the more vulnerable as well. Um, because that gets taken away from her, mm-hmm. uh, and so she is in a in like a bad spot that she wanted to avoid. <laughs> it's like even worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even more precarious than if you just never had done anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Just don't go for walks. Just don't get in the way of wild bulls. We'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But yeah, I don't know. The insanity is like, there's something that's like interesting to watch about it, right? Mm. Because like, that's the thing with like most of these mad scenes, like these characters just like come out and just like fully and brazenly display like how out of it they are. And most of them, people are like just watching them. It's like a very public display and... Yeah, I think there's something that, like, I I don't know, maybe it's, like, something the way that people love, like, serial killer podcasts and mm. stories now, but, like, it's 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 just intriguing to watch someone like that. Yeah, it is kind of the, uh, uh, you know, the total loss of control, the, uh, you know, the, the abyss within humans, maybe. You know? Yeah, there's, like, uh, at least for me, I think there's, like, a huge, I think humans might have an interest in like what can the brain do where can the mind go you know insanity reality what even is it all right um do you have anything else you want to talk about about the opera no okay (laughs) so what did you think uh i mean i really like i really liked it uh i mean of course it is always a fun thing to see the perception of you know in you know the italian example you know may, maybe you know the the um, the way they see you know let's say scotland or you know uh, the u.s as well in in their operas that's always a fun thing um but in terms of the plot that was a there were definitely some twists and turns definitely delivered uh you know very i was never quite sure where it was going Really? So, uh, yeah, I I always. I don't like, think you made any guesses the whole time. I mean, I de- made some in my head because I felt <laughs> self conscious about making them. Like, <laughs> you didn't, like didn't want to record it if it was if you were wrong. No, I just didn't want to interrupt interrupt your flow as uh. well. So. <laughs> okay. Thank you. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, guiding me through this opera. Okay, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, and uh, yeah, well, before we head to the outro, do you want to, uh, if anyone's interested in hearing more of Chris, tell us about sure. your show? Sure. So I have ex- I have like two podcasts and one uh, that I do with my friend Rashad. Um, it is called Serially Hooked. And it has basically, yeah, it has two different ideas in one. One of them is kind of the main serially hooked idea where we talk about uh, some sort of media for a longer time. The first season is about Star Wars and we start off with watching the Clone Wars animated series and then we're making our ways through a lot of the shows. But we also didn't want to be pigeonholed into being a Star Wars podcast. And so we just decided to release a second podcast, a podcast within a podcast, if you will, called The Weekly Hook, where one of us, you know, we take turns and each week we talk about something different uh, that we have a lot of enthusiasm about. Um, Some topics include, uh, so far at least, I don't want to give anything away. Uh, But we have been talking about, for example, the... The music of Joe Saishi, the show Community. We have talked uh, about the about football and the upcoming, uh, you know. Wait, football, club, football. American football. No. Okay. The the other one. <laughs> I always have to clarify. <laughs> I know, I know. Europe is different is, is different and difficult. Um, For American listeners, he's talking about soccer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we have uh, each of each of those. Uh, shows comes out weekly so we have two new episodes per week which is bonkers but so far <laughs> we've we've done it and it's a lot of fun and i i mean i don't want to pat myself on the back too much but i think we are definitely getting better and better at it and i yeah i just really enjoy it and if you are you know, and i really enjoy it oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> and yeah if you if you want to check it out you uh, you can do that by going to seriallyhooked.com, which is our website, or just look up Serially Hooked wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for being on the show. Uh, thank you for listening. And um, if you liked this, uh, follow wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, share it with a friend. And you can reach out at... Uh, on Instagram at opera.apero or on Twitter at opera.apero or my newest contact option, which is email. Uh, it's hello at opera.apero.com. Yes, I got real technical. I figured websites and email hosting out. All right, I'm not going to, I'm patting myself on the back. Um, <laughs> um, so thank you. Uh, I'll see you in two, well, I won't see you. You'll okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. And bye. Bye.